My name is Mary and I'm Karen and, and together, together we are Gutsy Voices. Today we are excited to bring to you an interview with Miguel and I can't say his last name properly so I'm not going to try. I'll say it. I know how to say yeah, it. It's Miguel do. de Almeida. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Actually, yeah, when the two of you say it, it sounds lovely. <laughs> so our interview today, I think our guests are really going to like because it's a story of a journey actually and and a pathway to getting to where you are in a place you really love and how you get there and so I'm excited to share this with everyone today how about you Mary I think it's really exciting because it's also a journey that spans a big distance geographically and I think this is the first episode that we've had that uh, in it, it really looks at culture and language and the beauty of the world Excellent. So please enjoy today's interview. We are so pleased to have Miguel this week on our podcast. Welcome, Miguel. Hi. How are you today? I'm very good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, we are excited to have you because you have a pretty cool story and I am excited to get into it. So we're going to start right off. I want you to tell our listeners a little bit about what it is that you do. What's your career and your job? Well, I'm a graphic designer by trade. Um, I came to the UK when I was 18 to progress my university studies. Um, I actually came, went to Wales to do my first degree, uh, an, under, an undergraduate program, and then I came to London to do my master's. And after my master's, I started working in brand agencies, and it has been 17 years now. So what kind of graphic design do you do? Well, I've started um, working in, luxury, in the luxury sector, so for, for luxury brands, from hotels and leisure to property, and to, um, I did a little bit of fashion work. Um, but from the last, in the last seven years, I specialized in wine and spirits packaging. Which sounds so fun. Mm. Oh my goodness. So, okay, so tell us what exactly, what kind of design work is required in the wine and spirits industry? Like, what, what exactly are you designing? Well, basically, I mainly work on label design and packaging. So, uh, if I can give you an example, I work mainly with two of the, the three of two to three of the biggest UK importers that come to me to create brands either of wine and spirits. And uh, often they come up with a name for the specific wine and I have to reinterpret that name and tell the story of the wine. Wow, um, cool. So, uh, and the story of the wine and the winemaker, etc. all in a very small space, which is a label. So, um, so you're a storyteller too. Mm. Exactly, yeah. All right. So, cool. Okay, so, and you have to do this all in this little space. So yeah. what kind of challenges do you have? Like what's... What's the hard part? What's the fun part of doing well, that? The hardest of all, really, uh, the space is, in, is exciting and challenging, but it's also quite, uh, it can be quite, uh, I would say, um, difficult to work for because there is not much, <laughs> it's basically space to tell the story physically. And also, there's a huge competition in, sh in, in, the, in, the, in supermarkets mm -hmm. and uh, so, your brand has a lot of work to do to stand out of their shelf. Mm. And, uh, and that, that is done by the way you tell the story, how compelling it is to the specific consumer, and actually 
how visually impactful the packaging is. Um, so yeah, those are the challenges. And but also they are challenges, but they're exciting. Um, Can you describe one of your favorite designs for us? Um, is that allowed? I don't know. I I wouldn't say I. It's a difficult one because I ha I love loads of different things. Okay. Um, so I love things that look very classic, but also I love things actually really outrageous and really funky and very bright. So it really depends uh, on what wine and what this what wine and what sort of story I want to say really. Um, I remember but. you showed me, as somebody who doesn't drink alcohol, I did used to drink alcohol once upon a time in my life, but I tend not to anymore. So mm. I find your work really fascinating. And you introduced me to a very interesting drink uh, recently, and I loved the label that you had designed. What, do you remember what it was? And it was, and it was so vibrant, and that was kind of what drew me. Anyway, it doesn't matter what drink it was, but what drew me to wanting to try that drink was this amazing label. Exactly. One, a huge thing in the UK is that uh, because, and this is statistically proven, the, most of the population are not extremely knowledgeable about wine or spirits. Therefore, they buy wine literally because of the label. That's me. <laughs> Yeah. So <laughs> I absolutely bought me yeah. the label. <laughs> so it's um so I know we're talking about, you know, the bulk of buying which is a supermarket really. Uh, so that makes me feel so much better because yeah. now I feel because I always feel embarrassed like I'm that person like, oh I don't know what I'm doing. I'll just that label looks nice. Yeah. So that's exactly so I'm yeah, yeah. part of the majority. The people people so. make those assumptions uh, and they have to you know, they have to resonate. They there are things they are designed but I particularly wouldn't buy, but I have to answer the brief that is given to me mm. that is for a specific type of buyer right. yes. so i yeah so if it's i don't know if it's a very overtly flowerly label that is for a more feminine uh, consumer profile I, I just have to follow that or vice versa without sounding cliche or generalizing uh, yeah. um that's that's that but there's the challenge and that's also very rewarding. Um, the also thing about label design that takes me back to the sort of luxury sector, sector where I started is that you have to be very detailed and, and uh, design things that, I don't know, have beautiful finishes mm -hmm. that feel quite luxurious mm -hmm. so that they catch the eye. Therefore, it kind of like, some, some, somehow kind of come full circle, I mm -hmm. think, in their way. Mm -hmm. um, so and I love wine. I really, really do love wine. As well, a, as and that a was going to be my next question. Yeah. Do you get to taste and and try these different spirits and wines and alcohols that you're designing for? As a rule, yes. <laughs> but there's a lot of there's a lot of wines that I um, don't because they are. I, I work in two arenas, so the, the premium side of wine. So I'm working directly with wineries. Um, so. They're very much more labors of, I say, a labor of love because I have to work directly with the winemaker and, in a way, really understand what sort of wine they're making and the provenance and where the winery is, etc. And then I work with importers who buy, you know, which is, I would say, 70% of the, what happens in the UK in the big retailers. They buy wine in bulk okay. and then they get bottled in the UK. Uh, and then 
and this is this is good wines depending on the I suppose on the price point. Um, and then the and then brands are created to fit within that wine basically, um, and that's yeah. for the big big retailers. Often I don't try those wines, but I do know the profile taste taste profile of those wines. Every single wine that I I, I design I do because um, not only the designer but also have to have wine qualifications as well. So I, I know what a Shiraz should taste or a Cabernet okay. Sauvignon should taste exactly, depending where from in the world, either from France or from Australia mm-hmm. or from Argentina. Wow. I really, be, because they follow exactly um, a tasting profile. How, do um, you, how did you develop that knowledge? Well, it's practice. It's really practice. And it's, um, I think there's people out there, I don't think I am one of those, they actually have this, were born with a talent of like a nose or a palate or... <laughs> Uh, but uh, tasting wine and uh, and understanding wine complexity and flavour, it's all about practice. You have to taste a lot like of wine. I like to think I practice, but maybe not quite enough. <laughs> yeah, but there are things. <laughs> That's good the, too. Yeah. There are things in wine that um, you know, Cabernet Sauvignon should be. I don't. Can give you an example. Should be the from France should be a little bit herbal. Had herbal notes. You know, had a little bit of crunchiness of red and black fruit so there is there are things that could be a little bit of graphite as well so there are things set in stone that those wines should taste like that and they really do actually and I also say when you when you taste it and it it actually it does because when I taste a I don't know a Bordeaux Cabernet Sauvignon I really taste this sort of menthol in sort of mentholness kind of kind of spearmintiness about if it's old has more kind of you know, kind of cooked fruits and wow. so um, so but you do you do you do we do and it's all just practice okay, um, and then you take all of this knowledge like I'm of course floored by your knowledge because I mm. think it sounds amazing and then you incorporate that into the design yes exactly right? yeah okay. yeah and it goes also on back label as well because the back label has told a bit of a romance story either again about the winemaker about the you know the pairing of the wine with food etc so mm. uh, so do you do the writing that's on the back sometimes I do actually oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah I, love I, I always to, think that yeah. would be such a fun job because I'm a journalist by trade and I love I love the words and so I do read the back mm. I'm one of those I do read the back of the label and I always think gosh what a fun job that would be to be able to write that so that's cool that yeah that I do I, I uh, by often I try not to also because English is not my first language, but also um, that sort of work should really be done by my clients, really, to be honest. Uh, but I, I do like to be involved. Um, actually, recently I've done a label where I really actually sat with a winemaker and we drank some of, the, of her wines and we actually wrote the tasting notes together. So that was really interesting. Uh, but often I try and kind of push that back because... So this yeah. sounds like an absolute dream job, hey? Um, it is, it is. Yeah. I think it's... Uh, or it's, like your dream I, job. I adore, I adore what I do. And it's really interesting because it took me a while to get here and I work for myself. Um, but I think it's... I, I wake up every morning and, and I don't feel that I'm going to work, if you see that mm-hmm. I mean. Which is, oh, I know yeah, exactly you do, what yeah. you mean. Yeah. <laughs> so I do, I'd also really love the, the fact that I... I have a very close relationship with my clients. Very, there's, there's no sort of in between, of, mm. and it's very streamlined. Um, so I can actually just pick up the phone and ask questions, and they, and vice versa. Mm. So there's no sort of management involved, mm. or etc. Mm. Um, 
So, um, yeah. So let's talk about how you got here, mm -hmm. because I think your backstory is going to be one that a lot of our listeners might relate to. And so, um, because you haven't always been a wine and alcohol and spirits designer, you came here at the age of 18 from Portugal, you said. Yes, I did, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how you arrived and what, what made you decide at 18, I'm going to leave this nice, warm, seaside, <laughs> sunny place, and I'm going to go to Wales. <laughs> Which, don't get me wrong, I love Wales, and I will absolutely go there. Yeah, yeah. My children love Wales. We, we love it. But that's two very different places. Yeah. So explain to us how you ended up deciding to go to Wales. Well, I was just school. 18. So I'm, I'm, my birthday is on 12th of September. So I was 18 on, of course, on the 12th of September. Yeah. And on the 19th, I came to the UK. Wow. So one week later. Um, so it all started with, um, with, I had a friend at school. I went to a specialized school in arts in the, in the city of Porto. And I had a friend one year above me that uh, came to the UK to study. And that really fascinated me. And I said, oh my God, I really want to go too. And for, what, for also because when, when she came back for holidays and I was still at school, she would tell me the great stories about, you know, the course, how amazing it is, the facilities, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And also because I've, I've had the fortune to be able to travel with my parents through my teenage years. We used to do big holidays within Europe and we came to the UK when, I suppose, when I was in my early teens. Um, and that sort of kind of planted a little seed about being really interested in other cultures, in exchanging knowledge, perhaps being a bigger, bigger country and bigger, more developed country. And yes, that's what I did. I, um, uh, I, was, I was a good student um, when I was back home and, um, and, I had, and the Portuguese government paid for my fees. Uh, so, um, so yes, so I came to, 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 to Wales. There was, there, there, yeah. it was a, I think at the time there was a link between the university and the, uh, the institute that um, I, um, I've applied through and, um, and that's it. I did my oh, undergraduate so there. Did you, yeah. So you applied in, you applied in Portugal? And then, yeah. did they place you in Wales then, or did you choose the school in Wales? The, the link, um, the institute that I applied through, together with the British Council, uh, had a, um, a link with this university, the University oh, cool. of South, South Wales, which is actually trying to bring students to that university. Right. And is that the same university your friend was at then? Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Cool. So you actually, so you, you didn't come straight off and know no one, you did actually have... Yes, and then I met other Portuguese people at the time, and I met, yeah. I met my best friend, uh, who we, we become really good friends, and we still are. Um, Yes, and I stayed there for three years, very studious three years, very, very fantastic course. Um, and then I decided to, to carry on studying and I did, then I came to London to do my master's. So, um, and then let's, just one more, one more question about your decision yeah. to come here. Did you know you wanted to study graphic design then? Always. Yeah, uh, has that... I've always wanted to, I know that I've always wanted to start design and graphics since I was 15. Because at 15, I went to, and uh, again, to this specific school art in school, art yeah. school that had just platforms of art so fine art graphics fashion they had ceramics and jewelry oh, wow. part of the national curriculum so um and they were very specific specialized uh, platforms so you you had your i suppose national traditional national curriculum the latin the portuguese literature at the time the, the maths the history but then 
then you have very specific graphic arts subjects like uh, geometry, I don't know, design technology, etc., etc. So they were very tailored to someone who wanted to carry on. And did you intend to stay when you came to study? No, I didn't actually. No. Which is very interesting. I, I cannot, I've always taken it quite, I suppose, freely in a way. I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry on studying and then maybe I think I should get some experience and get a job and see how the job market is in the UK, how they work, because I think it would be really good. But I've always, in the back of my mind, I thought, oh, maybe I'll go back to Portugal and set up my own design agency there and, you know, be on the beach every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, exactly. Uh, yes, exactly. There, yeah. yeah, and, you know, eat grilled fish every day. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, I think it didn't happen. I actually didn't also, very honestly, it didn't happen because I met my partner by, during my master's and then I think, well, it's going to be, it's going to be very difficult to go back. I think, and then you get into, to, to the sort of kind of the machine of things. You get a job, you know, you, you meet new friends, you, you learn more things, then you buy property, then you, you know, you all kind of snowballs, and then it's kind of, oh my God, you are actually totally intertwined in this country, and mm. there's no, um, I wouldn't say there's no way to go back, I was, but there, it's, there's nothing there that really, a, a great example, I always say to people, I don't have a business language in Portugal, so okay. I don't know terms of business in Portuguese, and I don't because I've never worked in Portugal. Oh, wow. So, Gosh, yeah. so my terms, the sort of the daily daily design terms, business terms, that all in English because that's what <laughs> I know. So, Gosh. so that's really. Well, I have spent more time here than actually I've spent in Portugal, really, to be honest. At this point, yeah. at this point, so. So I thought, uh, so that would be very difficult. But but I always say that I think one day when I'm older and uh, I would like to spend more time there gotcha. than I spend now. So I would say three, four months, four months a year, I'd like to be there. Gotcha. Um, and actually, that brings me. Speaking of language, mm. when you came to Wales, did you speak English? I did. did yeah, you? yeah. Okay. It w- I, I suppose it wasn't as good as it is now, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I did, yeah. Okay. So, um, I find that fascinating just because where, well, I'm from Chicago. And so the the way people speak multiple languages here in Europe mm-hmm. just fascinates me. And I feel like I'm, I missed a trick that I don't. So I think that, and actually you're the second person I've talked to today actually told me, oh yeah, yeah I moved here. I already had some English skills mm-hmm. and stuff. And I think, oh, there's nothing that scares me more than moving to a country where I don't speak the language. Yeah. And so I find that, I find that a really gutsy move, mm. but you know, and it's interesting. Uh, w- the, the, the Porto, where, where, I, where I was born, the second major city uh, in Portugal has a really interesting British connection because of ports. Uh, oh, okay. And there's a big contingent there actually of a very old, um, old British families in Porto because of the trade. Um, so I've always been involved with sort of English speaking, either people or also um, on television, you know, things, things there, they're not doubled. They are, oh, you, they are yeah. sorry, they yes. subtitle. Oh, so okay. I think unconsciously you listen to English yes. and you're kind of picking up things. Um, so I, no, I, my, my English was pretty good when I moved to, to Wales okay. uh, and I couldn't understand. So that uh, wasn't part of the challenge then? No, that wasn't, no. Okay. So, um, so tell me, you, you left and you, your family is back there in Portugal. Mm-hmm. How did your family feel about all of this? I, um, 
I always say this to people. Um, my mum, when I when I came to the UK, when I my, my yes, when that week, yeah. twenty years ago, uh, my father actually brought me uh, on the plane and okay. delivered me to the university, <laughs> and, then he, and then he flew back. Uh, but my mother drove us to the airports, and and I know this. This is she was so distraught that she couldn't drive back home. So she and um, I can totally identify <laughs> with your mom. Yes. I'm for a hug yeah. right now. Because um, yeah, she had to call my uncle or something at the time to pick oh. up the car because she couldn't. She was so sad, sad. Mm-hmm. Because actually, I now understand that was I would never. I was from that point. I was never going to go back home ever again. And she knew that, and she kind of knew that. And you're, so, but you're only eighteen. Yeah. yeah. So, and 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 I think that's probably. That was a bit of a struggle, knowing that, that everyone... And not, I wouldn't say not for me, because I kind of, okay, I can cope with this. This is, you know, I'm in a new country, I'm going to meet new friends. Um, but for, for the others, uh, a lot of people are still alive in my family. Like, all my grandparents are alive. So there was a lot of family, you know, and they're not anymore. So, uh, so there's been... A, but people get used to it and they know, import, more, most important, that I'm happy. Yeah. Uh, and they happy to. I think my mother misses me. Uh, oh, still. how could she not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think she really, I won't say struggles, she accepted it. Okay. But um, I know, because it's also my nature as well. I'm, I'm sort of relate more to her in terms of character. Okay. Quite vivacious, good with people. Um, and I think... I thought, I suppose, in a way, my father or my sister are slightly different and, and uh, they're more reserved. And um, okay. so I think she misses that side of, yes. having, that connection. of having a connection with me. So yeah. when I go there, I totally, you know, party with her. In a way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you get to go back often to visit? I, I do, as, as, as long as I want or can. I spend maybe three to four times a year, just even, actually, next week, I'm actually going to see her. Uh, I'm going to fly and, and, and stay there for a week because my father's actually doing work in Africa at the moment. Um, and um, so, yeah, I do. I'm, I'm quite lucky to, yeah, I can, I can and go. And does she come back? Does she come yeah, they fl- here again? again, two or three times a year they fly, both, both of them and my sister. Because I think, I think that's probably something a lot of our listeners will, will be like, gosh, you, you, know, you pick mm. up and you move countries at 18, mm. and that's massive. Mm. And you, mm. you're now separated from mm. everything you knew and all of your family. And, um, and I can identify with that, although I did not do that at 18. <laughs> so I, I think as well our yeah. listeners will identify, and even if it's not a young person listening, the mothers listening will really think mm. about, imagine that time. I mean, I have a son who will be 17 this summer. You know, yes. imagine when he turns around next year and says, I'm going. It will be a massive, massive wrench. So I think your story is gutsy on so many levels because not only that understanding that you needed to move away, but also now, even though you're here, you know that going back, you don't. You now don't have that business language in Portuguese. Mm. So it's a really gutsy voice, isn't it? Yeah, I think that, yeah. Well, and, and speaking of all that, so you've you've... You came over, you, you went to school, you've done all this cool stuff, mm-hmm. you, you've, you're keeping those connections with family, but you've created this whole new life. And now, but we still haven't gotten to how you've gotten to this wine, mm-hmm. wine design yes. and graphic design with wine. And sorry, I'm obsessed with wine. But anyway, um, 
Uh, so I want to, so so you finished school and you you mentioned you then moved to London yeah so so now you're on this track and you 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 study for your masters um, and you mentioned earlier you started designing for luxury brands mm-hmm. so I want to talk a little bit more about your career from starting as a graphic designer for some luxury brands and you can tell us a little bit about that too and take us through how did you end up working with wine mm-hmm. so yes so so my first. I work like my, my first job was in a small brand agency that did a lot of work, very versatile, did a lot of work for big, big luxury hotels in London and um, I can't say brands, but some f- very high end fashion brands. Um, in terms of again telling their story, either from print or literature or, or ex- brand extensions, etc. Um, and then from that on, I moved to another agency and then. That agency did a lot of property work in the luxury sector of property. So we're talking about crazy money properties in London. So I, I had to tell, create brands for these sort of developments. Um, oh, wow. You know, the twenty million pound house sort of, and then I had to tell the story of that sort of development, kind of Such connect. World for ex- me. Well, for all of us, <laughs> it's like. Um, yeah, trying to tap into into the their sort of consumer. What do they buy? What do they um, what do they consume? And 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 create brand stories that would relate them and actually affect ultimately help the you know the uh, the, the I suppose the developer seller to selling the house really. So I worked for that for a long time. Um, but the wine thing is a really interesting thing because I've always again. Being, being from a wine, a wine producing country, um, I've always been um, exposed to wine and spirits. My mother worked in wine for thirty years. She worked for a wine producer back home. Um, what did she do? Sorry, yeah, I yeah, to yeah. interrupt you. But she was part of the administration of the of uh, the winery, really, and um, so I suppose. In, she's there on the winery every day like that's where she would go. yeah she didn't make wine but she was more of the sort of operations person one of the operations person uh, so in terms of sales uh, distribution etc um, but she all because of that she always had the incredible connections in wine in port and um, oh I know this person you know this upper valley this port you know whatever so we always had really interesting wines at home and um, I know my family so wine always been quite a part of my or my sort of DNA, I would say in okay, a way. Right. Uh, yeah. I know that I've started drinking it very young, <laughs> but um, but it's part of your culture. It's part like of my culture, you know. Culture, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and country cultures. Like Portugal yeah. is, is a big, you know, it, it can't be bigger in terms of of production because it's a small country, but it's it's a, quite a substantial wine producing country um, within Europe, and. Um, but the interesting thing about the wine was I literally, I was at the end, I wasn't very happy in my second job. I've been there for a long time, struggling with sort of, I don't know, with people, with the work that I was producing. And it was a time that uh, me and my partner was thinking of moving okay. locations in London. Um, and yes, we used to live in North London. And then we decided, well, why don't we go back? to where you're from, which is sort of West London, where you're born, where your family is. Um, and, um, and I've always loved where we live now, yeah. uh, Chiswick. I've always loved this area. It's very near the river. It feels very villagey. Um, and then, yeah, we moved here. 
and, and, and because we move here, I've started looking at a company, brand agencies that were around here or around this part of London. And I've applied to a company that literally did wine and spirits. And I thought, <laughs> I'm not going to get this because I don't actually don't have that experience. Uh, my experience is, is brand. It's... But it's, well, it's luxurious for a development company. Exactly, that, yeah. property. You know, <laughs> it's like. But also, as a designer, I've always believed that if you have a clear, logical mind, you can apply that to any arena. Um, and I hope I have a clear, <laughs> logical mind. So yeah, so I applied to this job and I got an interview, and I thought, well, I'm going to take as much as I. Oh, actually, sorry, in the interview, in the process, they've asked me to answer a wine brief, actually. Really? Okay. And, and I did. Uh -huh. And I sat on a Sunday on a computer and I did loads of ideas and concepts for a wine label. <laughs> actually, it was a Chilean wine as well. <laughs> and, um, and I did, and I sent it, and then I got an interview, and they, I suppose they were impressed. Um, and they have offered me the job. So uh -huh. I start, that's where I start working in wine and at the beginning was a little bit difficult because I ha really had to change my the way I was thinking because instead of being you know thinking of larger format design pieces like brochures or you know or a big kind of photographic library of, of, of images to, to tell the story of the brand I just have to, to think about a little square white mm. label mm. And uh, but but really fascinated me because also it it kind of um, kind of really touched the sort of detail things that I love in design. Um, and so now, how long ago was that? that you uh, working for the... So seven years ago, actually. Wow. Okay. And then and actually, but now you are actually working for yourself now. I right? am. Yes. So now mm -hmm. you. So so tell us a little bit about how you. So you're working for this wine branding agency, mm -hmm. and now. How do you end up creating your own freelance well, again, situation? Yeah. So I think it was a cumulative, these cumulative years of experience and wanting to... I've really enjoyed all of those years working for brand agencies. But it, within the last three, I thought, um, well, I think you can do this on your own. Yeah. And... Um, because you have the experience, uh, you just, well, you just, but you have to now start building a, a portfolio of clients. But you have all this knowledge. Why, you know, why you, you don't do it by yourself? You know, mm. why not? And, and things that I've struggled, um, and I was struggling, I think, in the last years working for companies, is just not having my voice totally heard. Right. Well, so you know, tell us a little bit about that. Like when you're working for companies and like what, yeah, give us an example or, or tell us a little bit about a time where your voice wasn't heard and the frustration. Um, I think it's, um, you get examples, very specific, I can't really give you very specific examples, but things like coming up with an idea and I suppose not being accepted um, but why, you know, not justification not give, not give, not being given, um, um, and also, I think the sort of the break between the designer and the client, I was struggling with. Mm. 
I don't want that break. I don't want someone else to be the filter of information. I want to be. I want to. Maybe, I want to be the one who asks the questions, really, uh, to the clients, not to anyone else. Yeah. Because the process for me, and I'm. I'm just really talking about myself. Yeah. It, it might not work for other people, but mm. for me, that process is so much more streamlined. Yeah. Um, and well, there's something and clear. about the connection yeah. too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and absolutely. And I love that. To sort of, I'm, I've been able to create rela- client relationships. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword too because the responsibility totally falls on you. Mm-hmm. I don't have a manager above me or below or anyone below me that I could, you know, I don't have anyone to actually blame or, <laughs> or, or you know, or share the or responsibility, share the responsibility yeah. or whatever, you know. It's me, mm. but but it's also it keeps me on my toes as well. Mm. So I I just have to be do the best that I can, the hardest as I can. Uh, but um, yeah, I don't think you're alone in that though. I think there is something about that struggle in the corporate world mm. about you know being there's so many voices in the room that to actually be heard is difficult, and then let alone you know have someone respecting you or you know creating that relationship or actually getting to the point that you need information and that sort of thing i think as well when you're creating something if it's that creation has to then be discussed by the time it's been discussed by the five different people until it gets to the ear that really needs to hear it something has been utterly lost oh you are totally right absolutely So i think if you're working in that creative field you do want to talk to your client exactly I, i just want to hear it the, the English expression from the ho- the horse's mouth, yes. isn't it? Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I really want to, and um, because the client has also, and uh, you know, struggles to, they will go through. Like he also, ha- my client has to answer, you know, X person you know, to other part, mm. to other part, etc. So, is barriers after barriers. So, mm. I, I for me. Just let's keep the barriers as yes. small as possible. Cut to the chase. Yes, yeah. another expression. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so yeah, and yeah, it's great. It's really good. So so it sounds like you. So now you've created this lovely, you know, business mm-hmm. freelance thing that you're doing. I don't know quite the right word to to explain yeah, it. Yeah, freelance. But yeah. So so you're doing that. But now I know you're taking it a step further than just designing for wine and that sort of thing. So I want to talk to you a little bit about how how this job designing for yeah. wine labels and things has now turned into another passion. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about the course you're about to, or that you're on, or that you're about to start. It's, yeah. it's the fascinating thing about the world of wine, and I'm, I finding, I'm finding parallels every day. Um, it's a very creative world. I also say, to be a winemaker, you have to be a very creative person because you are picking up raw material and making a drink that will have your signature. So, and I can give you an example. Uh, if you give this grape, I, I don't know, this Shiraz grape to one ex-winemaker like yeah. <laughs> and give the same grape to a Y winemaker, they will make totally different wine. Because there's this, you know, this the signature. You know, they, the, the the wine will have their stamp basically. So I think yes. for that is a very creative uh, drink. I think endeavor, yeah. Um, 
And also, it's a labor of love. It's the hardest thing in the world. You have to be mm -hmm. 365 days in, in the vineyard, you know, mm -hmm. in winter, in summer. Be careful with pests, etc. So, and the, the but you know the the margins are very small. So, it's it's a labor of love. It really is. So, I first of all, I totally, um, I mean, I'm intrigued, and I'm really kind of. Um, attracted to that yeah. uh, people who work in wine are really fun as well okay. so uh, they they love food they love music you know it's kind of is or everyone that i've encountered they really uh sort of gregarious so um highly professional of course too right. but uh, but but they, they they are they are fantastic i think everyone that i've encountered so far they're really good people Um, and also, again, I love wine. I absolutely love drinking wine, and I want and I love learning about wine. Therefore, um, I started to take doing qualifications in wine. So I've um, I've completed level two and level three of the WSCT, um, which is a, an award in wine. So is a, is a What's a, what does WEST or no WSET stand for? Uh, stands for the Wine and Spirits Education Trust. It's, it's, okay. Um, Mary and it's I were making up things on the way here that were not even close. <laughs> uh, and it's a, it's a, it's a body of an educational trust. Okay. Uh, it's British and it's, it's worldwide recognized. And uh, everyone can do, start from level one to level four. Level four okay. is the diploma. It's a two year course uh, okay. that you uh, learn about um, comprehensively about the wines of the world as in general. Gotcha. But you hone down pretty, pretty in detail actually from uh, still wines, sparkling wines to 45 wines and spirits uh -huh. uh, so that's level four i've gone to level three okay. uh, and i'm just about summer level four in september uh which is be a two the two-year endeavor so it's um yeah it's um and do you earn a title at the end of this correct so i'll, have, I'll be a wct dip but then what happens is if i want to go further but this is just a dream i don't know <laughs> i love it though um <laughs> uh, i could apply to become a master of wine i uh, think that sounds amazing but that's that's uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's uh, oh. I, i it's very difficult there's only i oh, i can't say this but in in actual um uncertainty but there's i don't think there's a hundred in the uk Oh, they're actually really? master wines wow. so um so yes they, it's a very it's a five-year course it's okay. highly difficult it's, it's um it's very um it's a very comprehensive course it's a t t test the written written exams tasting exams etc 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 so but i i love the fact i love the challenge so mm. who, who knows Who knows? But I have to do level four first. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, so we won't call you the master of wine yet. We'll, no, we'll no. let you. Keep, we'll let you. You finish step four, and then yeah, yeah and then continue on. So, and what it, it, for you? What's the benefit of this? Is this? I mean, I guess a lot of people would look and say okay you earn this qualification then what does that get you because you're already designing these wine labels and you're doing this really cool thing this is just a passion for you yes Or it is, is it but also it's highly adventurous for my clients because they can tell me miguel i have this x wine and it could be quite an obscure thing so i can give you an example if a client of mine comes to me and says miguel i have a saint joseph from france Uh, that needs to be 
designs. I know exactly where Saint Joseph from comes from. It comes from the Rhone, okay, in France. So I know what the grape is, okay. what style of wine, how does it taste, and there are not many designers that have that sort of knowledge. Yeah. Um, so. I think it's really important that, for me, for my work, that I know inside out what what's the wine is, what the region is, where the provenance, etc. And that's why I do those courses, but also for, for pure passion as well. Gotcha. Um, so, but but for, for, from a practical work point of view, absolutely. Um, I actually think... My clients really appreciate that uh, I have these things. I've also completed the French Wine Scholar and the Italian Wine Scholar recently. Oh. Uh, they're shorter courses, but they're very, very, very detailed uh, on the wines of France and the wines of Italy. Gotcha. Um, so, um, and that's separate from, from the WSET. WSET. Yeah. Okay. It's actually an American qualification, actually. Is it? The, oh, wine, the Wine Scholar Guild oh, uh, okay. in Washington. And they are very, again, amazingly well, worldwide recognized but absolutely detailed to the villages and etc etc it's um, oh wow yeah fantastic actually See, like things you never think about when you're popping that bottle mm. on a friday evening and yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's fun but yeah it's fun but also that i i talk about all about these things about with no not an inch of snobbery of or no. anything because mm. I always say to people, drink whatever you like. You know, if it's one ninety nine wine you like, fabulous, great. Doesn't matter. It's it's and if it's fifty five pound a bottle or more, you know, whatever. It's what you like. Doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. I have a great story for yeah. you that I think you will appreciate. So I have a very good friend back in the states, um, and. This is my favorite wine story. She, she, she's a good lover of wine. And um, but back in the day, she didn't know. Well, I'd, I'd say she's probably much more knowledgeable now than she was at this time. But someone had gifted her this bottle of wine. And she had taken it home. And she was a single woman. We were teaching at the time. And she lived by herself. And so someone had gifted her this bottle. She's like, you know what? I can use a bottle of wine. So she made herself a box of macaroni and cheese <laughs> and opened this bottle of wine and had just a fabulous time great. that evening. So then the next day, she's like, you know, that was a really great bottle. I need to go find more of that. So she went to the local shop to say, hey, do you have any of this wine? And they're like, oh, we only get one case of that a year. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. They're like, that's that's really good wine. And she's like, oh, so I shouldn't have had that with a box of macaroni and cheese? And they're like, mm, that's probably not what most people would pair it with. But I think for her, that experience, and actually because of that, you know, my husband and I actually went out and had that wine and it was really lovely. But yeah, that kind of... Yeah, but, but also I think, good for her, do you know? Yeah, you know, It doesn't really matter, nice. you know, I was... So, I was it's what you like. And mm. also, going back to, I always say to people, we have this tendency of drinking, you know, in, you know, unfortunately, in a way, a lot, you know, and there's a lot of bad things with alcohol that we all know, um, and we should all drink in moderation. But I always say to people, try to drink less, but drink really good. Yeah. Drink yeah. the best as you can. Drink once a week, but try to buy the best bottle that you can. Because also that bottle will have... A lot of care put into it. Mm. A lot of less, pro less nasties put into it, etc. The, the actually the process of making that wine would have been much, much better. Uh, so, okay, so instead of me going into my local grocery store chain and just picking out the label that I like, 
what tip do you have for me and our listeners on how to pick out that really nice bottle of wine for that? Um, I think it's important that you know the grape first of all. What, what, what the, you need you need to actually um, speak up a wine that you actually know in terms of the grape. So if it's you know you, how did how does it taste like? So is it Cabernet Sauvignon or Shiraz? First of all, as a starting point, I think I wouldn't go crazy and try something that you actually don't know at all. Okay. Okay. But then, if you know a little bit about wine. Just go a little bit off pistes and try something really unusual, you know, that, oh, I never heard of this grape before. Why not? You know, okay. just try, um, try, try some diff- different things. I tend not to buy things from the great, you know, the great chains of groceries. So shops. should I find my local wine shop? I, I, that... Yes. yes. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. That's what I will do. Um, and then, um, and be more... Yeah, and they're kind of inquisitive, and ask the ask the the shop assistant manager. So, like, well, where, where does this come from? How how this was made? You know, where where is this part of land? You know, without sounding romantic, these things are really important because they really will um, affect the taste of the wine and the quality. I tend not to buy the big big brands. Um, I once many years ago I went to South Africa to see a prospective client. And I went to this vast operation, enormous. They, they make like, I don't know, 25 million bottles a year of wine. And, and although it was, oh, it was a really interesting experience, it was a little bit soulless because their wine has to taste the same every mm-hmm. single year. Every single vintage, and for that, a lot of changes have to be made to the wine and adjustments that sometimes are not great. Mm. So the beauty of smaller production is that there is, for me, a different, slight different in vintage, slight different, and and then you compare, can compare things. So this this one was better than the other, or this is different, is a bit more pronounced etc i understand that big corporations and big brands have to follow a very consistent line for their consumers but i probably wouldn't i i, I try to, to gear off from those big brands um if you if you are someone who are, is interested in discovering wine this different things if you are someone who just okay i want a friday night merlot that will taste exactly like this great just then do that just do that but you say oh, i want to be something that challenge will challenge me a little bit and um go go out for the experience exactly of it, right yeah. so well i think i think that's exactly what i'm getting from your story today i think it's amazing that you got on a plane and went to school because your friend told you about this great school and now here it has led you to this yeah. really fun life and you know something that you were obviously really enjoying and really passionate about. So. I am, I am indeed. I think it's been, um, yeah, it's been in, in times a winding road, I suppose, again, trying different jobs and trying different teams to fit in that didn't work out or p- people that didn't work Yes. But but I think I always say to people, and, and uh, without sounding a cliche at all, oh, you just cliche. have. <laughs> We're all right with cliche. <laughs> just go for it. You know, when you have some sort of, you know, something that's been presented to you, either personally or professional, you know, go for it. 
what do you have to lose? Yeah. Do you know? Oh, I love that. I think that's a great way for yeah. us to end today. Fantastic. Yes. And I think we raise our tea mugs. Oh, yeah. right. Yes. Winter afternoon, yeah. and we say cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you so Pleasure. much, Well, here we are on our way back. And I think that was a fantastic interview with Miguel. I had so much fun with him. Mm. How about you? I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Yeah. He's just, and I don't, unfortunately, our listeners can't see us while we're doing this, but he's such a lovely animated person. Mm. And every time he was talking about wine, you just see his eyes light up. Mm. And I'm really inspired now by that to to go look at wines at a proper wine shop. Me too, especially as somebody who has made a choice in recent years not to drink and everything about Miguel, the smoothness of his voice, the smoothness of his gesture, it just feels like the most glorious glass of wine, doesn't it? Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. So Mary, tell me what music... Are you in, or what music did Miguel inspire you to think about today? Well, there's an amazing song by Billy Joel, and the lyrics in the song start with a bottle of red, a bottle of white. It all depends upon your appetite. And the song is Scenes from an Italian Restaurant by Billy Joel. And whilst Miguel is not Italian, he is Portuguese, I really think that has to be his signature tune. Oh, I think that's lovely. Especially because, yeah, just with his, he's very much about people meeting wine that they enjoy and not about being pretentious about it at all exactly oh what a good choice thank you so so as per usual please check out our show notes for links to the song so you can go listen to it yourself um and and actually we'd like to take just a moment to talk to you about the podcast in general i hope you all are enjoying it as much as mary and i are creating it um we've gotten such lovely feedback from listeners and actually as of the recording of this podcast we've had over 250 listens so so thank you so much for supporting us um and i think another thing I'd like to point out today is um, we're getting lovely comments on our social media and, and sparking some lovely discussions about how people are being gutsy. So I, have you read some of these, Mary? Have I have. You? It's really lovely. It's, it's lovely to know that the voices and the people who are really sharing their, their stories that they're proud of, but also it's a very vulnerable thing to share your story because people are going to be inspired by you. They may turn you off. It's a really exposing thing. So for me, it's lovely to read the comments that, um, negative or positive, that people are taking something away. Actually, and I was going to say, what I love is that people are connecting mm. with all sorts of different parts of the stories. Mm. And to me, that was always our goal. Absolutely. Is that, you know, we have, we all have a bit of gutsiness in us if mm. we're ready to tap into it. Mm. And, and it's not always some big, massive, grand gesture. Sometimes it's just a little bit of gutsiness to get us over a hump. Mm. And I think that's what I'm loving seeing readers connect with. Yes, so, definitely. Um, so I do hope you will, you will join us in the discussion online, as well as continuing listening and if you have any questions please don't hesitate to contact us um and that will be all from us today thank you from both myself from mary and from our wonderful producer will born who puts this together for us and we look forward to seeing you here again next time Thanks,